You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor. Every year at the Wise Giving Alliance, we issue what we call a donor trust report. Donor trust report. And contained in this is information that we capture through a public survey. And we try to gather this information to determine the extent to which people trust the charities either that they donate to or that they come across in everyday life. And throughout the years, we've covered many different themes in these reports to try to help organizations understand how to better reach people in the public and how to respond to their concerns and build uh, closer connections to them. And we also do it for the purpose of helping us as an organization understand how to better meet the needs of donors. Well, this particular donor trust report is focused on the theme of diversity, equity, inclusion. And we thought it was really important that we take this on because many organizations are engaging in activities that are designed to make their charitable groups more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. And what we're trying to figure out is to what extent does the public and also donors as well either think this is good for a charity to do, neutral, or maybe even bad for charities to engage in. We want to know things like how does this affect a person's desire to give to a particular organization or to even be served by a particular organization? So I think you get the point. We want to gather this information to better understand how people feel about charities that engage in this work. And with me today to discuss this and dive into some of the results is my colleague at the BBB Wise Giving Alliance, also known as Give.org, Elvia Castro. And Elvia is our star in the organization who, who every year organizes this survey and gathers the responses so that we can make sense of what we've captured. And so, Elvia, it's great to have you back to hear more about the new donor trust report on diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
Hi, Art. Thanks for having me back. I am particularly excited about this topic because it's one that is, I think, close to my heart and I think yours and, and to many other people in our organization. And also because this marks our fifth year of our donor trust survey. And I think it's a good topic to do that with. Well, great. Well, Elvia, let's jump in. In your mind, what are some of the key takeaways that people should know about that you've gathered here with this with this information? Well, you know, our, there's a lot of conversation in our sector about how important DI is. Uh, but I think a lot of that conversation happens around really large donors, such as foundations and corporations, and internally at charitable organizations, thinking through how they work with their boards, how they work there with their staff, how they connect with constituents, whether they be people they serve or donors or partners. And that, I think, is all really valuable. But what we wanted to add here is the perspective of the donor. As you know, the charitable sector is funded by the donating public with 70 to 80 percent of contributions coming from individual donors. And so we think it's really important to listen to what they have to say about this topic. Our results, I think, show the diversity of society. So we have to acknowledge first that there are people who find diversity, equity, and inclusion to not be of particular importance to them. There are people for whom this is neither here nor there. They're lukewarm about it. And then there are people who are enthusiastic. But I think what I find to be a wonderful takeaway for our survey is that the majority of donors really do value DEI um, in charitable organizations, and they associate it with things like trust for that organization or whether they think the organization does a good job in their mission and how good they are at serving their constituents. So those are really positive associations that come with a charity being more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. We should acknowledge that realistically in everyday giving situations, DEI is not likely to be a driving force for our decisions. So only about 20% of people tell us that DEI is a really highly important consideration in a normal day-to-day giving circumstance. But there are red flags that would cause people to move away from an organization or, or to not want to donate to an organization. So if a person finds out that a charity they've supported in the past is discriminating, they are two out of five people will say, I will no longer donate to that uh, organization. Or if they find that the images used in the appeals are insensitive, one out of three people are are going to back away from that organization. And that's that's a really kind of strong signal that people, even though they might not be thinking about it on the day-to-day basis, it really does matter to a significant portion of the donating public. Yeah, I don't think any charity can afford to lose a third or 40% of their donors. So, or to have public sentiment turn away from them because they've engaged in discriminatory activity and it's been found out. So that is a key and important piece of information for charities to to hold on to. Elvia, was there anything that really surprised you? In other words, when you started out doing the survey and gathering the questions that you wanted to ask, Maybe you had some hypotheses or some preconceived ideas that uh, you would just expect naturally to sort of come out of the results of this. Was there anything that really surprised you, though? Maybe something that you thought you would see that you didn't see or something that you didn't think you would see and you actually saw? 
Yeah, so one, I guess, preconceived idea that I think was confirmed first, I would say, right? So we expected a good number of people to value DEI, and that, that came through. And then we expected some brackets of the population to be particularly interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion in their donating uh, practices, right? And that came through as well. So people who are younger or people of color, uh, LBGTQ participants are all more likely to care about issues around DEI, to be more aware of charities that may or may not have good DEI practices and to have positive associations. That was all kind of predictable and I was, you know, it was pleasant to see. On the counter, what we start when we started look closer into the different questions, we found that while those groups are more likely to care about DEI, when we ask them about flags that might dissuade them from donating to an organization, they're actually less likely to stop donating to an organization when they find out that there are discriminatory uh, practices or that the board and staff are not representative of perhaps their own demographic groups, um, they are less likely to say that they would stop donations. And that was puzzling at first. (laughs) So we've been thinking through and kind of starting to gather feedback from other people and it's just making us think. And so one, we we spoke to John Bergdorf, who is the lead statisticians for Giving USA, and he had some really interesting insight that I think is worth thinking about. So his insight was that different people define discrimination or things around diversity, equity, and inclusion very differently. So someone who is a person of color or who is younger is more likely to have a broader definition of of what discrimination would be. And they so when if you ask them, well, are you likely to stop contributing based on discrimination? They might say no, because they're using kind of a lower threshold where other groups might use a much higher threshold of, of what they would consider discrimination. So that is one, one thing that made us think. I think kind of another level to that question is whether people are kind of resigned or conditioned to allow for a certain level of discrimination. So for instance, while Muslim participants are really likely to say that they value DEI in an organization and that they really look for that, they are the least likely to say that they would stop contributing upon learning that that the organization isn't well represented or has some sort of discrimination. And we think part of that is just that they are somewhat expecting that to be the case. And so, and actually some of our responses are supportive of that. So when we take the subset of people who said, actually, even though I see this, I would continue to to contribute. People like African-Americans, younger participants and Muslims, are much more likely to say, well, we just expect that all organizations are going to have DEI issues uh, versus someone who is whiter is relatively more likely to say that they just have competing priorities and they are prioritizing the organization's mission over a concern with diversity, equity, and inclusion. So let me get this straight. If you're a white person, you're more likely to say that it's a problem for an organization that has DEI issues, right? You're more likely to say that than- If if you you are a person of color, you're more likely to say that you find trouble or or you have a problem with an organization having lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But you would be less likely to say that you would stop donation based on that issue. Okay. (laughs) So whites, for instance, would not continue to support 
an organization that had these issues and blacks would be more likely to support organizations that had these issues and Muslims as well. Yes. So whites are relatively more likely to, to say that they would stop donations. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. Well, what's really interesting about that statistic is that we know (laughs) still in this country, we're not, people of color are not being solicited quite as much as white folk are. And as a result of that, for a white person to say, I'm not going to support an organization for any reason, that's going to have more immediate, I think, effect on what a charity does, right? Because you would think that if if I'm not depending on a particular group for my support, then I'm not going to worry about them as much as I would be worrying about people who are supporting me. While even though charities are working on DEIA, many of them are, they're certainly going to pay a lot more attention to groups that say, we're not going to support you unless you get this straight. So that's, that's kind of, a, you know, as a person of color, that's a hopeful sign. It's a hopeful sign that the majority population is basically standing up and saying, you got to clean this stuff up or we're not going to support you. And it's also, I think, heartwarming to some extent. I don't know. I guess I would use the phrase, it is, it's notable and maybe even noble that people of color would continue to support organizations even though they feel that they may not be doing the right things by by people of color. And why would they continue to support? Well, because as you say, it might simply be that they have seen discrimination so much and they're to some extent desensitized to it, right? We we expect that there's going to be discrimination. And what are we going to do? Just stop living because there's discrimination in the world. And we can talk about it. We can get angry about it. We can protest about it and we can ask for change. But in the end, we still have to live our lives and connects us with these institutions, many of whom serve the purposes that we want to see served, even though they're not diverse and they have some issues. White people, on the other hand, feel like, wait a minute, you know, more white people, I should say, feel like we got to fix this. We don't want to see it anymore. We want you to address this. And so to some extent, it's a heartwarming story that people of color will continue to support groups even though they they don't get the support in some ways. And whites are saying, no, we're going to stand up and make sure that you do the right thing. So I, I, I feel somewhat good about that, actually. And even though it's it's kind of a strange set of statistics that bring you to that conclusion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it made us scratch our heads, right? So I think, it, but I agree with you that there are kind of positive lights to 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 those numbers and and to see you know white folks who maybe like may have a, a different definition of discrimination is but at some point they're definitely willing to take a stance i think that's really kind of heartwarming the other couple points that come to mind from what you said is one is to think of kind of the level of awareness right so if we look at the general population and we ask them well, do you know of a specific charity that has a lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Only about 22% of the general population will tell us that they have. And so that tells you that 
for the majority of people, there really isn't a whole lot of a problem there to begin with. But if you start looking a little deeper, then you'll find niches of people who are actually very aware that there's this problem in our sector. So, uh, for instance, 50% of charity employees will tell you that there is that, that they have heard of such instances. Or around about around populations like Muslim Americans, 63% of them will tell you that they have heard um, that about a charity that has an issue with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And same is true for younger folks and for you know African Americans or Hispanic people. They're much more likely to say that. And so I think part of this speaks to to just you know the level of comfort and level of awareness that folk have with a, a societal issue that's more much broader than just to charities. That's really an interesting statistic. Let me ask this, Elvia. When you break down the different demographics that we've tracked here in this survey, mm-hmm. have you seen divergent, other divergent sort of opinions that people have about this? I mean, do young people respond differently than older people? Do different religious groups respond differently than people maybe who aren't religious? I mean, what else are you seeing in the numbers that we should take note of? So, I mean, there are some groups that pretty consistently have similar views. So I would say, or or that tend to be outliers in similar ways. And so we can generally say that younger respondents, people of color, and LGBTQ plus participants are more likely to have heard about a charity having an issue with DEI. Um, They are more likely to report positive associations with with a charity having a diverse, equitable, and and inclusive culture board and staff. And they are more likely to place high importance of representation in in an organization's board and staff. For religious groups, it's a little trickier. Muslims tend to be kind of the outlier and the ones that are really looking for DEI-focused concerns. But sometimes other groups popped up here and there. So when it comes to, say, awareness, I know that Muslims were high on awareness that there might be an issue. Mormons were also high and Jewish were also high. But for other questions, it didn't necessarily track the same way. So there are a lot of questions here and they don't always kind of come one way or another. But I would say that, you know, the groups that you might think of have historically disenfranchised, they're likely to pay more attention and to be more aware of the, of the concerns. You know, we have been asking for maybe five years now uh, what degree of openness to solicitation people have, right? And and the question is basically, if you get a solicitation appeal, uh, are you tired of seeing them and don't want them anymore? Would you like charities to be to approach you more? And there's a scale there. And for older and white folk, they're more likely to say, I've been overly solicited. I'm tired. I don't want to see them anymore. And younger and people of color are much more likely to say, actually, I would like to be solicited. And so that's telling here as well, because I think that we think of those groups, sometimes <laughs> folks think of those groups as being unengaged with the sector uh, or maybe having kind of a different view of what generosity is that doesn't fit into what we normally look for. But in our, from what we hear in our save is the, the folks are open. They're, they want to be solicited and it might just be that we're not communicating with them in the right way. And so I think this points to an opportunity to kind of should demonstrate that you're listening. And if this is the type of circumstance or situation that, that, that they want to hear about, that they want to hear about how, how diverse the community you serve us, that they want to hear that you have a diverse uh, staff and board, that, that, that 
opens a great opportunity to kind of communicate and reach out to those folks. If you are heading an organization, what, what are some of the things that you might want to pay attention to with this information and maybe even want to build into um, a change process for your, for your group? Art, that is a super tricky question. <laughs> Okay. As you know, no, I mean, I think, uh, and you, I would love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. You, you're in a better position for that. But I, in from my my end, what I hope that they learn is that that people care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. That their donors care, and and they depend on their donors. So this is an opportunity to demonstrate how trustworthy they are. I think you know, DEI is should be very much of a unique and introspective exercise by each organization. Just like as individuals, we have different paths and there is no perfect unbiased individual. We all have to self-examine and kind of find our own paths. I think that is true with organizations. And so I think it's particularly tricky because there might be, for instance, a very small Hispanic run community organization. And what diversity is to them is very different to food bank that is large and in many communities. And, and that my diversity for them might be a whole different thing, right? So, and the, the definition of diversity might be different. And your focus might be different. I think generally speaking, what this points to is that it, it can help you build trust with donors and particularly with young donors and people of color and LGBTQ, if you can demonstrate that your organization and your culture and your constituents are also diverse. And so there's an opportunity there to communicate with them. But before you can communicate that with them, I think of course, you have to think of, of internally your board, your staff, your culture, how you serve populations, how your structures are set up. But that is really, I think, an individual look for each organization and each leader. I, I don't really have much more to say about that than you, but I do think that organizations have to begin doing more to reach diverse audiences because, as, you're, as we've seen, there's been a decline in the number of people giving to organizations, number of families giving to organizations over the last 20 years. And organizations, therefore, can't be tone deaf when it comes to understanding how the public feels about DEIA issues, because those are the people who they're going to have to reach as our country becomes increasingly diverse Charities are going to have to find ways to appeal to these groups in ways that draw them to the missions that they have and also make them want to open up their pocketbooks and give money to support those causes. So it's really important, I think, that organizations really take hold of this information and interpret it in ways that help them better understand what's going on. The other thing is, you know, you've mentioned this a few times now. It really does say something when folk are saying to you, send us more solicitations, ask us to get involved. But we also know that you can't just assume that the way you've gone about asking people to support you or the messaging that you've used to get people to support you is going to be the same with diverse groups. You're going to have to think about how to message, how to reach these people and how to help them appreciate the mission that you have is really driving towards a result that 
will be meaningful to them. And so I would encourage organizations to use this data to try to better understand which groups they're going to have a dip, more difficult time appealing to. And if having DEIA as an issue is a problem, then you need to figure that out. And we're also seeing that it's not only a moral issue for charities, it's a business issue. It's a business issue when a significant number of your existing donors say that this is important to them and that they might not support you if you don't have the kind of practices in place that we value. So um, again, you know, um, these are important when, when business and moral issues come together, I think, you know, you can kind of feel change in the wind. So anyway, yeah, those are just some thoughts on, on that. So let me give you uh, maybe one or two last questions, Elvia. When we think about this donor trust report focused on DEIA, this is, in my opinion, groundbreaking research. We don't see lots of organizations doing this kind of data, gathering this kind of data and uh, public uh, sentiment. Do you think it would be worthwhile for us to revisit this later on? as we see if people's attitudes change uh, periodically. Yes, for sure. I mean, as we started sharing this information with some folks who care, they all say, yeah, it would be interesting to revisit. I honestly think that some of these attitudes are really kind of hard to shift, right? So for the public to say shift in the portion of people who are offended to such a degree by discrimination that they would stop donation, that to me is is a hard needle to, to move. But I right. also, I do think we need to keep an eye at, you know, the progress that organizations are are making and how aware the public is that there is an issue around diversity, equity, and inclusion, how included folks feel with the sector. And so we definitely want to keep an eye at what's happening. You know, one of the questions I should have asked this before, but one of the questions I have too is, is there an expectation from the public that charities are more forthcoming about their DEIA activities or their diversity and so forth? Yes. And so about one third of participants say that they would highly value information about the community served by the organization, the demographic information reported by the charity about the community that they serve. And then about one fourth say that they would value information about the composition of the board or the staff. So I think there is thirst for that, at least from a subset. That, of course, is higher, as we mentioned before, for people of color, younger generations, LGBTQ are even more interested in those factors. I think some of what's a little bit more surprising, we try to look into the kind of measure that the public looks from from organizations. So things like diversify your board, have training, have a public policy. And there we found that maybe 10% want there to be a publicly available policy on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And maybe a top a third of people want there to be, you know, the different kind of measures. And I think that was a little baffling to me. I think what that kind of shows is that DEI is the kind of issue where the whole is much more than its parts. And I think people don't really know exactly where to pinpoint the solution and that no exact solution, not exact measure will give you confidence that there is a solution to the problem. So it, we're just dealing here with a really complex 
issue. And I don't know that the public has clarity of what signals that an organization is necessarily diverse, equitable, and inclusive. But a good start is to look at your board, your staff, your constituents, uh, your imagery, your communication, and to make sure that you're authentic and inclusive in, in all of that. Yeah, it's a really important set of questions for us because we want to make sure that we're encouraging charities to provide the kind of information that mean, that is meaningful to them. So when you come to give.org, you want to know that when we accredit a charity, we're taking into account the things that matter most to people who are giving to those organizations. So that was a really important finding from my perspective, and it sort of makes us have to now go back and take a look at what we're doing and consider whether we should be asking charities to provide that kind of information. Well, Elvia, look, we could go on here, but this has been really helpful. Tell people how they can get a handle on uh, this, this survey. Where can you actually get a copy of this if you want to see it? Yes, please go to give.org backslash donor trust. And there you can find the report. You can find some responses some from your peers in the sector and some infographics if you just want to take a quick look. Great. We hope that you'll also go to give.org to, to get any information that you're looking for on particular charities that are soliciting you. And I should remind people that while we evaluate quite a few organizations, you may go there and not find one that has appealed to you. In such case, you can always ask us to do an evaluation. And if they meet within our criteria, we will certainly initiate that. So I want to just thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Elvia, for taking time to, to be with us today, Elvia Castro, to talk about the Donor Trust Report. And for all our listeners, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. You can We've done now over 80 of these podcasts. We do them every week. And I hope you'll look for a new edition next week. And if you want to support the Wise Giving Alliance, we would certainly welcome that. We are a charity, too, and we depend on public contributions. So you can go to give.org, and I hope you'll make a generous contribution to support the important work that we're doing to help donors make informed giving decisions and to help charities demonstrate their trustworthiness to their donors. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.